Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but before we do, guys, we're about to jump into a passage that talks about meat being sacrificed to idols. Kind of weird. So I got to ask, what's your favorite meat, non-sacrificed to idols, of course but you know what's your favorite meat <laughs> or maybe it can be sacrificed to idols we will we'll find, find out we're gonna find this text maybe find out so what's your favorite meat what's your favorite meat eric man i love me a costco hot dog <laughs> <laughs> of all Wait, things of all the meats <laughs> i mean of all the meats <laughs> <laughs> of all arby's they've got the they meats. got the meats <laughs> <laughs> yeah man a costco hot dog they're so good hmm. they they are but I've never like, had if one. You, if you had the choice between a Costco hot dog and like a steak or like ribs or something else, you'd pick the, the dog? Yeah. If I compare paying the buck 50 for a, a Costco <laughs> hot dog and a drink and a $20 for a steak, my enjoyment level per dollar is higher with the Costco hot dog. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, value I'm, proposition. I like a good steak. But I'm not like the kind of guys like I got to go to a steakhouse and like you know. But like you see some people eat steak and they're like drooling and they're like they can they think of no better place to be than right there eating that steak. I'm I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, like on a regular basis, it's it's hard to be a good cheeseburger. I love cheeseburgers, so that's probably that's that's not as high class as as, as the steaks and things like that. Uh, when it's a special occasion, though, we will go to uh, Reams Meat Market mm-hmm. and we will get a tri tip. Shout out to Reams and uh, and uh, yeah. If any if anybody from Reams is listening to this, you can you can definitely sponsor <laughs> sponsor uh, this the Bible study podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll go get a tri tip and, and grill that and uh, mm, so good, yeah. so good. And you, you you actually do a really good job of of grilling. I well, I like to grill. I'm not yeah. I'm not like some people are the creative arts. Some people are the like privilege of artists. With that. That. I just like cooking the meat. Yeah. Um, for me, so I was actually going to say uh, a burger as well. I, I love a really good burger. But other than that, like cooking um, like meat at home, um, I love to, um, my dad and I actually like to cook skirt steak um, and like make tacos out of it and all that stuff. So that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. You like pound out the skirt steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make thin. it really, make it really tender. Mm. Yeah. I also like fish. Does that count in a meat conversation? I, that I don't know because there are vegetarians who will still eat fish, right? Like I don't eat meat, but then they'll then they'll order fish. I mean, I had an aunt that did that. What's a type of meat? I mean, I don't know. I know it, those it feels, people are those people are called pescatarians. Pescatarians, the, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, <laughs> oh, and the, the, the pescatarians. pescatarians. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we're in First Corinthians chapter ten. Um, we're going to be at the end of the chapter, uh, starting in verse twenty-three. Uh, let me give you some context here. That's the first step in the comma method. The C stands for context. And if you've been reading along in First Corinthians, you probably already have some of this context. If you're just jumping in, you can always go to a uh, good study Bible, like the NIV Study Bible, or watch the Bible Project videos to get the context. But the overall structure of First Corinthians is this. Um, there are a lot of issues that Paul is trying to address in this church, and he's writing this letter. The first half of the letter is him responding to things that he's heard. So like some people came and said, hey, here's what's going on in the church. And he's like, what? I got to say something. So the first half of the letter, he addresses those things. The second half of the letter, he has, he has received a letter 
from the Corinthians and they're asking questions. So this is a little bit uh, less of a like, whoa, there's an emergency, I gotta do something and a little bit more of clarifying things that they were debating or confused about. So you actually see this, uh, if you uh, kind of follow along starting in chapter seven, it's a, he says, now concerning da, 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 and he'll introduce a topic, address it, and then the new topic will be, and now concerning da, 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 da. So he does this in chapter eight and he starts off with this. He says, now concerning food sacrifice to idols. And for the next three chapters, this is what he's talking about. So chapter eight, nine, and 10, and we're at the end of 10. So this is kind of his uh, summary, uh, kind of where he lands on things. But here's the, here's the question that they're asking. Uh, there is a dilemma because in uh, ancient times, especially in Greco-Roman areas, if you were going to eat meat, it was very expensive to get, except for one condition temples would offer, because people were offering sacrifices, they always had an excess of meat. So in a, a Greek temple, you would actually go in, you would bring your sacrifice, the priest would cook it up, and then you would eat some of it. You would eat you know, a normal meals portion there. It might be more of a feast or whatever, but there'd still be a lot more meat left over. The priest might take some of that, but then there would be lots of sacrifices each day. So excess meat would get sent to the markets in town and the cheapest meat there would be the meat from the temples because it was kind of flooding the market with that. So if you went to, you just went to the store essentially and bought a piece of meat, odds are that meat had been uh, offered as a sacrifice to some God. And so now these Christians are saying, whoa, whoa, we don't go to the temples. We don't worship those gods. We don't believe in those gods anymore. But these are, it's almost like taking something from a worship service and taking it into your home and saying, I'm going to now kind of use this or something. So there, there's a, a crisis of conscience going on. Or me finding out that my Costco hot dog was used in a temple ritual. Yeah, exactly. Like, would, would you feel as good sitting there in the food court eating your, you know, $1 hot dog? Doesn't matter how big and juicy it is. <laughs> so, Our burgers uh, are fine, though. Burgers are fine, though. So um, they're, they're asking this question of, uh, of Paul. And the way it breaks down for three chapters, let me kind of try to make it simple. There are two groups of people. There are the people that he calls the strong, and they're the people who know. They're like, look, we know that these gods aren't real. We don't believe in them anymore. So this means nothing. It was offered to nobody, which means who cares what happened? We can still eat it. And then there are the people that he calls the weak, meaning they have a weak conscience. And their conscience says, I don't, I don't know if I can handle that. They, they associate it so closely with their old life that they're saying, if I eat that, knowing where it's been, it kind of sucks me back in to a whole worldview and belief system I used to have, but I, I don't do that anymore. And so they feel like we, sh we shouldn't do this. This is dishonoring. So they're having this debate. And Paul comes in and he says, those of you who are strong, you're right. Like your theology is right. This is not really, there's, these gods aren't real. Um, but then he says to them, but you cannot just crush the weak with that. And so he, he says, you've got to look at this situation with love. And so he, he talks about uh, even sacrificing his own rights in order to love people. And then we get to this and he kind of gets to the practical application. Uh, and I'm going to have uh, Eric Reed starting in verse 23. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, 
then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. All right. Now we go to the O in comma, which is observation. That's where we see what is in the passage and uh, kind of note things so that we can figure out what it means. So what do you see here? Well, right away, uh, I can see how applicable this is for today's society because a lot of people wrestle with the fact that like, well, I should be able to do what I want when I want however I want to. And why should I take someone else into consideration when I'm not hurting one? This is just something that I want to do. It's, it's all about persons, like my rights. Uh, per, you know, particularly, everybody thinks they have a right to everything. So Yeah, that, that, that opening that sentence, opening, I, everything. I have a right to do anything. I can do everything. I mean, that, that's like, I've heard people say that many mm-hmm. times. You know what I mean? I, I can do what I want. Yeah. I got the right to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the answer is yes, but, but yeah. there are other things to consider mm-hmm. in addition to your own personal rights and freedoms. Yeah. Uh, this, this is my observation. It, in verse 25, Paul says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. Then he goes on to talk about conscience for the rest of his argument. Yeah. Like <laughs> conscience. <laughs> so it seems contradictory. But then he says, where is it? The verse where he says, I'm not talking about your conscience. I'm talking verse about 29. the yeah. other person's conscience. So yeah. that's where it, the, at, even as I was reading it, it was getting confusing in my own head to yeah. put it all together. Don't think about conscience, but conscience is actually the crux of the matter, but not your conscience, the other person's conscience. Yeah. It's, it's like your conscience is that part of you that sort of like sends the alarm when something is, is not right. And so your conscience has to be trained by what you know is true. And that's going to kind of determine where that line is for you. And so he, I think he's talking about people who it's like, okay, you, you've come to the realization, you've internalized the truth. This, this sacrifice, this whatever is a meaningless thing that is not something you're participating in, but not everybody has gotten to that place, but you still don't want to violate someone's conscience because it's a really dangerous place. When you start hearing the alarm bell go off, say, I don't think this is right. And then you, you cross that line anyway. Because then even if it's not calibrated right, you're going to start ignoring it at other times. So to drag someone else and say, I know you don't think that this is okay, but I'm going to kind of coerce you or pressure you to doing something that your conscience is saying, I'm not sure this is okay. I feel like I'm sitting in if I'm doing this. Well, for you to choose to ignore that is actually wrong. Like it, it would it would be a violation of your conscience, you know? I know this isn't exactly an observation, but can we play this scenario out that Paul is trying to describe? Because I want to make sure I fully, I mean, I've read this text, obviously, a bunch of times, and I, in my head, it plays out a certain way, but I want to see if it plays out the way in my head that it does in your head. So he's saying, okay, you're at someone's house, and they serve meat, and no one says where the meat came from. And he's saying, don't ask, don't tell, just eat the meat, because it's obviously not a big deal for them, the people that are serving it, or for you, just go ahead and eat it. 
Do you guys? Yes. That's, okay. That right. seems about right. Okay. Uh-huh. Then he says, but if the people serving you the meat tell you that it came from the temple, you shouldn't eat it, but not because of your own conscience, but for their conscience. So I try to imagine what's going on here. So I imagine if I'm, if I'm visiting someone's home and they know I'm a, a Christian and they serve me this meat and they say, hey, this was meat that was offered at a temple. Is it in your head, is this playing out? Are they trying to warn me like, hey, I know you're a follower of Christ and you, you don't really dig what's going on in the temples. So I'm letting you know in case you don't want to eat this, that it was at a temple. Or is there something else going on? So I, I, have, I have gone round and round on this because it's, I think it's a little ambiguous because it might not be there because there might be different types of people telling you this was offered in a, a temple. So it could be the person serving it and they could be doing it for the reason you say, hey, I'm looking out for you. I know you think something different than me, but you should know this. Or it could be, they're just assuming, you know what I mean? You go to someone's house, they say grace, you know, like, and it's just what they do. And they're kind of just assuming everybody's going to pray right now, even if not everybody's going to. So they're saying, this is in honor of our God, Apollo, mm-hmm. whatever. And you're just like, oh, wait, I'm now I'm honoring Apollo. And I got to decide if I'm going to do that. Or is it another believer? Like you, we, the three of us all, all go to some unbeliever's house and we could serve the meat and, you know, Eric's okay eating it, but I'm not. And so the person says, oh, this is doing it. And now Eric has to decide, okay, am I going to eat this in front of Clayton when, when I know that he doesn't want to do this? Like he thinks this is wrong. Like, which is it? Like, is this someone warning you because they're a brother or because they're an unbeliever? <laughs> like that, it could be either. Yeah. Or, or in my head, I think if, if you're at a non-Christian's house, they serve you the meat, they tell you that it was sacrificed at a certain temple, and you eat it without any objection, you don't flinch, you eat it, is that sending a message to that person that Christians believe that worshiping any God is okay? Like, wow, they didn't even flinch. I told them this was offered at a temple, and this Christian didn't, it didn't bug them at all. Yeah, it could be seen as like you're condoning yeah. it. But when Paul talks about it, so um, let's see, where is it? It's, it's, I think it's towards the end here. Um, so he's, He's talking about going to an unbeliever's house and he talks about, um, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. So Mm -hmm. some of this seems to be, what is your witness? What are you saying to this other person by your actions? But there are other parts where it talks about not doing this for the sake of the Christian who is not okay with it. And especially if you read the earlier passages right before this, it's very clear that you're talking about Christians debating amongst themselves. So there are parts where it's like, you don't want to destroy the, the church of God, but you also don't want to mislead the unbeliever. And it's, it feels like the situation shifts around a few times in the passage, you know? Yeah, depended on who you're around. Yeah. Like, what's your motivation? Mm-hmm. Is it not to send the wrong message or not to trip up someone's conscience who's a believer? Like, what, what's going on here? And I know that this is in association with, like, food sacrifice idols, right? But when you think about it, this could apply to a lot of different areas, you know? Like, the places you're invited to, the things you're invited to do. Um, like if someone says, Hey, come hang out with us you, and you're like, okay, sure. What are you guys doing? We're going to go rob a bank. Well, it may, <laughs> maybe you don't go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, you know, you know, like that's, that's, uh, that's really way out there. Okay. A little bit, a little bit extreme, but you know what I'm saying? Like maybe there are certain things that you shouldn't do as a Christian, even though you're invited because maybe it would send the wrong message. It's the, it's the borderline things where you might say 
I actually am okay with this. This is the tricky part. I'm okay with this, but yeah. me doing this in this context means something different than if I was doing it in the privacy of my home or with other people who believe what I believe or so on. Like it's a, it's a weird category of things. Yeah. It's things that aren't technically wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. And your conscience has nothing against it, mm-hmm. but depending on who's around you, might send the wrong message or be harmful for the other person that's there. Therefore, you don't do it. Not because it's inherently wrong, but because doing it around those people would cause harm to those people. So here's a, we're going to get into application here eventually. I, I, I personally think the most direct line to our culture is when and where to drink alcohol. Yeah, it's probably the yeah, simplest, simplest yeah. parallel. Yeah. Um, good example. But I, I, another, since we're still in observations, the I like the rhetorical question. Why is my freedom being judged yeah. by another person's conscience? Like Paul, I like that Paul is he's going, he's it. saying something and then he's saying what he thinks is how his audience would respond. Wait a minute. Yeah. My freedom is being affected by someone else's conscience? But he's also kind of agreeing with them saying, mm-hmm. look, this is, this is not about them telling you what you ought to think is right and wrong. It's about what in this context is going to affect them in the, in a certain way. Like he, he's 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 doing this subtle move where there is something that you internally. It's not like you've sort of shifted your beliefs about something, but you have adapted your behavior for the sake of the people around you. That's a that's a tricky thing. Most of us, um, our instinct is if I think this way, well, I'm going to act and I kind of put it out there in front of people. We have a, a culture that's confrontational in that way, where it's like. Don't tell me what to do, and I'm going to, you know, push back. And so, for Paul to say, "Hey, I actually do have the freedom to do this, but I'll restrain myself um, for the sake of this person." That's I, that's countercultural even today. You know what I mean? To say, you know, I don't have to do this because I love you. Yeah, and it's decisions that you make on the fly. So I, I have mm. I have two two scenarios in my head. One is back in the day when I was the student ministries pastor here, we had an agreement which is pretty much a rule for those of us who worked as pastors in student ministries. So we're working with minors. And the agreement was that we would not drink alcohol in public within 30 miles of any of our church campuses. And it sounds very legalistic and why 30 miles and okay. But the the heart behind it was we didn't want to do anything because we work with minors. We don't want a minor to walk into a restaurant and see their youth pastors all sitting at the bar having a beer. There's not anything technically wrong with drinking a beer, but we just didn't think it was wise or helpful for the young people that we we're doing ministry to, to walk into a restaurant. So we just decided we're just going to restrain ourselves and say, we're not going to do that. Now, this is all a matter of uh, loving other people and wanting the best for other people. And rules never really accomplish that. It's love that accomplishes that because the rules are, you always have the exceptions to the rule. And here, so here was an exception to the rule. Like it wasn't an exception to the rule, but it's what points out that all rules end up being funny. My wife and I were at a Costco or Sam's. And so I had like a few cases of beer in the shopping cart to bring home. Well, in Costco is one of the high school students that walks up to us. (laughs) And now I'm (laughs) feeling like, Oh my gosh, this student is looking at my shopping <laughs> cart. Drape your coat over your car. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, rules don't always, you can't really make rules about this stuff. It's a matter of whether or not you are willing to restrain your own freedom because yeah. you love other people. Uh, another example for me, which is almost the, the reverse of this, is my, my old neighbors in Cincinnati who would throw parties in their backyard. And man, they would just get ripped. But we were good friends with them, so they would invite us over, and they knew we were Christians. They knew I was a pastor. In that scenario, I'm not participating. 
because I felt like my witness and my conscience said, I, if I participate with them, it almost feels like tacit approval. Like I know they're getting ripped all night. And if I drink with them, they're going to think I approve of their behavior. And so I would not in that yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the person who serves it and says, this is what this means. You know, this, this is offered to this idol. So what do you think about that? You know, there's kind of a question implied. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and along those lines, like 31, he says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So a lot of times when we engage in something, it's usually like, well, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. But he says, you eat, you drink, whatever you do. No, actually, you should have in mind how is what I'm doing glorifying God or how is what I'm about to do going to not glorify God or how, how well, disglorify him? How, how are you saying yeah. that? <laughs> Dishonor. Dishonor, Dishonor yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why is my yeah. words not working? <laughs> <laughs> but the um, what, I, what I think is interesting is the link here is specifically in how it affects other people. Like mm-hmm. that vertical side of things of honoring God with what you do, the thing that determines it is whether or not what you're doing is loving and serving the people around you. You know, that you're not doing something to harm or destroy them. Um, that's the key. It's not just sort of like, well, in my mind, I'm okay with this, you know? Um, it's, it's you have to concern yourself with the other people. What, one thing I want to point out with um, the, the context here, immediately before this, Paul does draw one really clear line where you cannot eat the meat, and it's actually in the temple itself. So he's saying, the same meat, if you're in the temple where the sacrifice is happening, that's like going to a worship service and you are participating if you do that, no matter what you think in your head or believe in your heart. When you're uh, pr- in private, that's the place of maximum freedom. But when you're in the in-between where there's there, there are witnesses, that's the that's the tricky part. Yeah. So, Nikki, your mm-hmm. bank robbery, yeah. is, it's never okay. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I, know. I know. That's why I said it was extreme. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go on to meditation here. Um, I want us to meditate on uh, verse 24. What we mean by meditation is simply taking a moment, not just to think or talk about the passage, but to actually pray about it, to say, God, what do you think about this? What do you want me to see? Where are you speaking specifically to me? Is there something that stands out? And kind of prayerfully ponder this. So uh, I'm gonna read verse 24 to you, and we'll give you about 45 seconds. And that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. When you go to the dentist, you have an appointment. There's a determined time and location. I go at a certain time and sit in a certain chair. It's on my calendar. That's how my teeth get cleaned. Our Bible reading and our prayer lives are just like that. There should be an appointment, a time and a place on our calendars. Now, we want everyone to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word, so we certainly hope that your Bible reading is more enjoyable than a trip to the dentist. The tip here is to have a plan. If you don't have a time and a place, maybe hit pause on this podcast right now and make that appointment. And this has been your comma tip of the week. There we go. That's good. That's good. Uh, I was wondering where he's going with the dentist. I was like, oh man, this is, this is, this is painful. Um, Meditation? Meditation. Here we go. So I'm going to give you 45 seconds and uh, you're going to ponder this verse. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. 45 seconds.
All right. We are going to go to the other M in comma, which is message. Uh, this is where we sum up what we read in a principle, usually about one sentence long. So what message did you guys get out of this? Gosh, maybe I was just being super generic, but mine was going to be directly from verse 24, just what you had us meditate on. Because I think it sums up the passage so well. Like, my own good is not the goal. I should be for, my goal should be for the good of others. Uh, my message is very much on, along the same lines. Uh, it's this, your, your sister or brother is worth more than your rights. So the, the idea that um, you do have a right to do certain things and there is freedom and that's a good thing. And Paul says, great, enjoy that. Um, but when push comes to sho sho shove, there is something far more important uh, and that's the people around you. And, um, and I, we didn't talk about this verse, but the, ver the verse ver right at the end where he says, uh, I follow the, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, um, he links us very directly to saying, what did Jesus have? All the freedom in the world. What did he choose to do? Love sacrificially, even if it meant giving up his freedom. So he saw us as more valuable than his rights, uh, and we should do the same for others. My message is this. A Costco hot dog and a beer are really good, but may not be so good depending on who's with me. It's hmm. good. That's good. All right, let's talk about application. We've already kind of broached this uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit, but let's see if there's any other application about how you would put this into practice. Yeah, I mean, for one, I'm not going to invite anybody to rob a bank, so I learned that one. <laughs> That's good. Um, it, honestly, it's just, it's taking an evaluation, like Eric said, of just who you're with, what you're doing, um, how is what you're doing, what you're saying, um, going to be seen how's it going to honor christ like there's it's it's pretty simple but you know what it is i think it's hard in the moment to apply all the time um because maybe we're not unless you get in the habit of of filtering everything through that that the kind of a lens um it just takes a little practice it's just to stop and just just self-evaluate hey is what i'm about to say is what i'm about to do is what i'm about to invite people into um is it gonna glorify god is it gonna um, be beneficial to the people that I'm around. And if it's not, then you just don't do it. It's simple. Okay, so now, now here we're getting towards the end of the episode, but I need some help as a matter of conscience because we've talked a lot about beer and alcohol <laughs> in this episode. Uh -huh. And I have, this, I have this vision of the people that write the blurbs for our podcast episode calling this the beer episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to rescue this episode. We need another example of how this plays out in people's lives other than drinking alcohol. Does anyone have one? I, I do. Uh, this was, this is my application, but it's, it's, it's a weighty one. Okay. And this is one, um, more than I talk with people about alcohol and I do actually talk to people, uh, in our church about, you know, when and how they should drink, but it's a little simpler to answer the trickier one that comes up that where I actually will often go to this example in scripture is when someone has been invited to a wedding where they're not sure that the, the marriage is a good one. Uh, and usually the situation is uh, they have a same-sex uh, couple that's getting married and they're invited because they're friends or they're family members. But it might also be uh, a Christian and a non-Christian getting married, which we know scripture says shouldn't happen, or just a relationship that is unhealthy and you think these people shouldn't be getting married. Yeah, you're right. I find myself pastorally talking to people about this a lot. And so, and so people don't know what to do with that because here it's the same dilemma. So think, think about in the, the, you know, Greek culture, going to a meal 
and being with people was a way you showed connection and relationship and you built bridges. If someone invites you to a wedding, going to the wedding is kind of a sign of like, am I friends with this person? Am I supportive of this person? Do I want to be in relationship with them? Um, and to not go might signal the wrong thing. So this is, this is the practical dilemma of saying, what do I do? Do I refuse the meat? And so um, usually what I talk people through, and I don't, I don't have like, here is the exact answer to this, but the principles apply. There is some version of that scenario where it's like going to the temple, okay? Paul says you can't go to the temple and eat the meat during the ceremony. Now, I would think for a wedding, that should not be happening. To be on the platform certainly is that, right? Like you're going to stand in the wedding, you're going to officiate the wedding, that, that would be the case for me. Um, or you're, you're going to be somehow taking part in the, in the ceremony in a way that says, I am an approve, I'm approving of this and for this. Um, the question starts to get less clear the further away you get from that. Now, from uh, lots of people going to a ceremony also communicates, I am for this. It's a participation saying, We're, I'm going to witness this and kind of affirm the commitment they're making. Um, but maybe, maybe not in certain circumstances, although I think for most people, it kind of is. When you say, can I go to the reception? Can I go to the party? If, could I go to an anniversary party for this couple? Uh, would I go over to their home that they've invited me to a month later after their honeymoon and hear about their honeymoon, right? Like there are those kinds of things that you've got to say, where is this? And, and uh, this is not totally easy. Where is it eating meat in the temple? Where is it eating meat privately in your home where there's no case of conscience? Where is eating meat with a friend? And where is the line where they say, you know, this has been offered to an idol. And that's the, that's the one we've got to wrestle through and say, at what point is your presence or your participation communicating to them something uh, that you can't participate in? And that, so I wish it was simple, like here's the application, do this in this circumstance, but this is the principle we're using when we think through that. Yeah, and whichever decision you make, we would hope that the motivation is you're asking the question, "How do I best love that person?" And that's that's where the that's where the yes. the dilemma the dilemma comes in. And the the hard part for us when we say that in these circumstances is our culture tells us love means automatically showing the most support we can for the, what people are doing. In Paul's case, some of what he's doing is protecting people, like the way to love people is protect them from getting uh, false permission to do something they shouldn't. So the person who's going to violate their conscience by eating this meat, he's saying, don't, don't like throw your freedom in their face so that they do something that will violate their conscience. Or if this person is serving this, saying, we honor this God as we eat this, don't give them permission to say, I'm with you on that. And so that is actually what he means by don't destroy your brother or don't just, you know, don't uh, make sure you're loving this person. He's saying, protect them from the most dangerous thing, which is uh, sinning. And yet you're also trying to preserve relationships. So there's kind of both and on that. So, And one more quick application before Nikki wraps this all up. If you are planning a wedding, serve Costco hot dogs and send me an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.